Hello, I welcome you to another episode of the Cosmic Matrix podcast with your hosts Bernhard Gunther and my wife Laura Matsu. This will be episode number 77. And on that note, if you're new to our podcast, please feel free to check out our past episodes. A lot of episodes and uh, topics we talk about is really timeless, uh, but important information and practical advice for the times we're in, how to navigate this time of transition and what's happening in the world externally and our internal process as well. Now, the topic for this episode will be how to work with projections in relationships. There will be intimate relationships, but really any relationship, be it with friends, family, strangers, online, offline. And the reason we really want to focus on this topic in particular is because that's been something that's been coming up for people more and more, especially in these times we're in with all the polarization, the so-called splitting of humanity that we're experiencing on multidimensional levels. People of my work are aware of what I'm talking about. If you have listened to past episodes, um, this timeline reality split and the splitting between consensus state and individuated state. A lot of people going through an immense evolutionary process that is mirrored outside and within ourselves. So obviously relationships and the topic of relationships comes up for people a lot. So in this episode, we will only show you guys how to navigate the relationship realm, so to speak. And again, any relationships, be it in light of young in psychology, how we can easily fall into romantic projections, positive and negative projections. We'll be looking into the interrelationship between anima and animus is also based on Jungian psychology. It ties into the um, basically alchemical marriage of the inner male and female. And, you know, navigating the relationship realm in, in general terms, because as I mentioned, with the times we're in right now, we see a lot of splitting within relationships, not only intimate relationships, one partner, quote unquote, wakes up, the other uh, person is still kind of in the consensus state, one person starts to individuate, a lot of friction can appear, it can happen or is happening within family and friends. And it's important to understand that this is a natural process. And there's something deeper than it's something deeper, we can all learn from and use relationship as a vehicle for self-realization to learn more about yourself and all that <clears throat> as a matter of fact we also be going way deeper into this topic as well in our upcoming 12-week private group coaching program time of transition embodied soul awakening and we have new dates for this program it will start april 11th until july 2nd and this 12-week, three-month online group coaching program is basically a course in psychological and spiritual self-work to activate your soul potential on multidimensional levels. And we're really combining the necessary inner work, right, on based on the fourfold approach of holistic self-work, physically, emotionally, intellectually, psychologically, as well as spiritual, in context of the outer work, understanding the cosmic forces that are operating in the world, you know, the positive, negative forces in light of the evolution of consciousness. Because this is the time we're in right now, it's been called by many esoteric traditions, this time of transition, the shift of the ages. There's an awakening happening, clearly, but we need to do engage in the quote quote-unquote great work, as it's called, uh, to be the change we want to see. And obviously that's affecting relationships on a very deep level. And so again, the dates for the new course are April 11th until July 2nd. There's only limited space available as always and by application only. So feel free to go to my website, veilofreality.com, V-E-I-L of reality.com. 
under courses. You can learn more about the course, what it's all about, and then apply there as well. Um, just to give you a little insight, a rough overview, there will be over 47 hours of video learning material. Uh, that's original content recorded by myself and Laura, as well as over seven hours of audio recording, including all kinds of meditation, spiritual, psychological, and contemplative practices. And most importantly, it's a group in-depth group program. And it's really important to be not only around like-minded people, but be around people engaged in the same work. Because as I always say, and it's also known there's only so much self-work you can do by yourself because it gets lost in your own tunnel vision. You don't see your own blind spots. Well, so we have been having live Zoom calls, sharing uh, circles with course participants, coaching guided somatic meditation calls and Q&A calls with Laura and myself. There will be all lots of written material as well on various esoteric, occult, psychological and spiritual topics, also structured with lessons and reflective questions a big library of various embodiment practices, meditations, yoga classes, qigong, and basically a, a really a life-long um, um, supply of tools that you can apply in any different situation to improve the knowledge of yourself, your relationships, and the quality of your life, and really activate your deeper soul potential in these times and to help you in this individuation process. So enrollment starts now. There will be the eighth time we are hosting this um, course and it's been going really well as a high demand and it will uh, also fill up before april 11th starts so way before usually. way before usually yeah. yeah we have a high demand going through a lot of applications so again go to my website veilofreality.com and the courses and read more about it fill out the applications and we'll get back to you for more okay with that being said let's yeah. dive into it now yeah, so how to work with projections in relationships. Um, this is also taken from some of the course material, which are practices that we use all the time. A lot of people talk about, you're projecting, you're projecting. They actually make a projection out of projections, actually. And <laughs> you hear the word getting thrown around a lot. And I have to say that learning how to withdraw your projections and sit in that psychic emotional atmosphere of your own crap is hard. It takes, it takes grit. You know, it's so much easier to say this person did this. I'm this way because of this. I feel this way because of the world and project our unconscious contents externally onto the world. In fact, that's the normal state of the world is we're just constantly bombarded with other people's projections towards us, other people's projections towards other people. We're justifying our projections towards other people. So when I say projections, I mean we are placing our unconscious contents on people and situations around us without realizing that the source of them is actually within us. So withdrawing the projections that we have towards the world is really the most important tool we have towards self-knowledge and really empowering ourselves. And essentially, you know, withdrawing our shadow projections and our golden shadow, as they would say. So we both have positive and negative projections with the, our negative qualities that we hold within ourselves that we project on the outer world is the first step in the individuation process. So that's why it's really important. We really have a constant sense of what our projections are 
develop some level of um, mastery and insight in dealing with our projections because they're the first step in understanding who we truly are, basically. And then, base and then, basically, Carl Jung said that the withdrawing the shadow projections is the apprentice piece, and then working with the anima animus projections is the masterpiece. So, if you're new to all of this, I'm going to really break down what that means. Can I just uh, preface that as well? Yeah, uh, because obviously projections triggers anima animus. All of it is. Sh- Shadow work based on in-depth young in psychology, and we've said this many times, shadow work is the name of the game. The collective shadow is coming up in the world and within ourselves, shadow meaning our unconscious material, and by the nature of it, by even its definition, we are not aware of it. But we can, if we understand how shadow work works, if we are aware of our projections, as Laura just said, we can kind of step away and observe ourselves, how we project, get triggered, we can become aware of our shadow of unconscious uh, material and integrate it right and that in on the deeper level really helps to quote heal the world as well that's why shadow work is so important having said that it's a term and idea that has also become very popular very much diluted superficially in the way in the new age world or pop psychology and all that because it shadow work is not easy it's messy right the ego likes to avoid it and then like laura said we like to justify our projections or justify our triggers without really sincerely inquiring within Exactly. And I think it's important that we be more interested in our own personal projections and be concerned about other people projecting as well, because that's a projection in itself. So it's hard enough to master your own projections. I have them all the time. I can almost sense when there's psychic material coming from my personal unconscious that's more shadowy, that's more dark, and I blame it on another person that I know or tweet or whatever, you know, we're always, it's, it's the, the point is, is that the shadow material is meant to rise up into the conscious experience, into the psyche. We usually make someone else to blame for that experience. And then we lose the, the possibility of integrating into our conscious mind. So yeah. every time we have a projection towards someone else and, they're this way or they're this way or even our positive projections when we put people on pedestals that's a moment that material from the unconscious is rising into the unconscious mind but then what we do is we give our power away and we blame it on the other person and then we just say it's always the other person's fault that i'm this way so similar to our triggers these projections show up in our exaggerated negative or positive emotions that we have towards others and then These projections result in us making all sorts of assumptions about the person, good and bad, and conclusions about their true character. And so we're dealing with a massive shadow dance. You know, you see it happening in the polarization in the world. I see it happening in myself, especially towards people who are really pro pro narrative pro jab you know i i have to work with it constantly i have to work with my projections that i have towards kind kind of the quote unquote the other side here in this war yeah. basically so i'm just going to get right into it and i'm starting going to download you some steps for working with projections so first and the most important and hardest thing to do is to recognize when there is a projection happening, meaning anytime you start to make up all these stories about this person is this and this and this way, they should be like this and this and this instead. Or if you notice yourself putting someone on a pedestal and like seeing all these almost godlike qualities in them, that's a positive projection. So you have to catch yourself when you start to tell yourself these stories and when you start to kind of 
act in this either overly negative or overly positive way towards a person. And I noticed they tend to be somewhat emotionally charged. And if they're not, then they're filled with all sorts of rationalizations and justifications. So that's the first step. And that's the most important step is to notice when you're doing it and catch yourself um can i just add just yeah, one, yeah, yeah real quick uh, that's why i mentioned before you know especially people on utah podcast go back to past episodes as you know certain things you know we have even the um episode called i forgot which episode is but how to do inner work and what laura mentioned the prerequisite really to any inner work to really any sincere psychological spiritual esoteric work the great work or especially shadow work being aware of your projections triggers is to be able to observe yourself have that observer mind be curious about yourself Because yeah. most people, as Gurdjieff would say, they're um, sleepwalking, dreaming to be awake, just mechanically engaging and indulging in projections, triggers, justifying them, getting caught in the typical matrix, victim blame trap and all of that. So it's really a key point to develop this observer. Yeah. And, you know, there's many different practices you can do that. I definitely noticed that meditation highly has um, helped me develop that ability to self-observe, you know, because for a lot of people, their minds are literally chaos, basically. They have all of these thoughts going around in their head and almost like 20 thoughts swimming around in their head at once that it can be actually hard to distinguish like what is most important what's a projection you know so learning how to also just down regulate your nervous system so that you know if, if your mind is in chaos i guarantee you your nervous system is also in a state of fight or flight yeah. or freeze so you have to be able to kind of relax yourself enough to get into that self-observation space so yeah. if you're if you and i notice this myself like you know so when I have racing thoughts, to me, that's a sign I need to basically regulate my nervous system, down-regulate it, meaning like deep belly breathing or do my meditation or just take a break from the screen and just feel into my body, do some yoga, etc. You know, so that's key. So we need to be able to also read the signals of our nervous system because the self-observation is very hard to do if you're in a state of fight or flight chronically or just temporarily. So you want to be able to be like, okay, what's going on with my body? Am I in a calm state? And then move into the inquiry. Because the self-observation is not just an intellectual process, but you know that actually can get you more in analysis. Paralysis is holistic, hence it needs to be all based on what we also go deep on the course, this fourfold approach of holistic self-work really yeah integrated all levels but okay. yes continue. Yeah. okay so let's go back to the how for steps for working with a projection so this is when you're projecting on people around you so you know number one recognize that there's a projection happening and what you're seeing about the person isn't the absolute truth so that's key so like you have to kind of open your mind that your perceptions could perhaps be related to projections you Can know we just give it like a so, concrete example so the, so the so you know so the biggest yeah so let me just finish that so the okay. biggest issue is we take projections to be the truth we identify them and we miss the opportunity to use it as a form of further inquiry so so let me just think of an example i mean i project on people all the time but i don't i don't act on them as much so keep in mind that this process it's good to do it with a good dose of self-compassion because we're constantly and projecting. humility <laughs> and humility exactly and the point is to just withdraw them and self-reflect so for example um you know Here's here's a projection I could have towards someone. Um, This person is very selfish. 
Yeah. And let me just give a more concrete example. So if someone, so if I'm very sensitive to like tones that people use with me, I pick up a lot of psychic information. And so if I pick up the quote unquote wrong tone in someone, my immediate conclusion is they don't like me or they're a rude person or something Mm -hmm. like that. You know what I mean? The truth is, is that I am very overly sensitive to misattunement or different tones in people because I grew up in a very critical atmosphere. So I'm constantly expecting via my projections, the world to be criticizing me in the same way that I was criticizing childhood, right? So I have all of these, you know, I realize the projection is happening. So if someone uses the wrong tone, they could just be speaking like that. They could be having a bad day. There's many different reasons why. It doesn't mean necessarily that they don't like me. Maybe that is true that they don't like me. And then who cares as well, you know? So you have to notice that the projection is happening and what you're seeing about the person is the whole isn't the whole truth. Meaning your perceptions and your interpretations of the event, those are what you need to start unpacking, right? So all of the beliefs, thoughts, even emotions that you have come up regarding this person and situation cannot be the whole truth. So that's the first step is recognize the projection is happening. Don't take your projections to be the truth and use it as an opportunity for further self-inquiry. And then number two is recognize that there's a difference between who this person truly is and the ideas that you're having about them in that moment. Yeah, just wanted to add to that exactly. Just as a rough general guideline, even Carl Jung himself said, whatever we see in another person is for the most part, he even mentioned 75% to 80% our projections that have nothing to do with how the other person actually is. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And people can people contain multitudes within themselves and we tend to just focus on this one thing and this one interpretation and we have this very fixed like you can tell actually when you're projecting because your mindset and your ideas about the person get extremely fixed. So they they mm. said this and it means this and that means that there's this kind of person or they feel this way about me and it's like literally almost like a single interpretation when there's a multitude of reasons why anyone could be doing anything yeah. basically. On, on that note also then it gets even more activated with the projection and the trigger and it, it creates a certain emotion that justifies that projection. Yeah. Right? A negative emotion, negative. Exactly. That's why also like the idea of just trust your feelings is is very ill-advised no, yeah. because most feelings are based on mechanical reactions, unconscious trauma, wounding, all kinds of mechanical behaviors that have nothing to do with the actual situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It reminds me of this meme I saw lately. It's like, I'm an empath. I can, I, I know because I make up how someone else is feeling and I immediately believe it. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, and, and actually, you know, the projections often are accompanied with a strong emotion unless you're someone who tends to suppress their emotions Mm. and then you will immediately launch into rationalization so Mm -hmm. it's different for each person when we need to kind of walk a fine line with that so okay so recognize there's a difference between who this person truly is and the ideas you have about them and then be curious about your projections and the interpretations you have coming up instead of taking them to be fact so use the intensity of the energy that you're feeling to remind you that this is a signal that there's something within me that's unresolved and it just gets activated by this event, this person, whatever it is they said, etc. right? And then we do further self-inquiry. And I do this actually in the moment whenever I get triggered or I have projections towards someone, by the way. So you can write these down and really work them through. Um, and we also go through it in the course as well. We go at like crazy depth in the course. I'm just giving you a little preview. 
So search for the origin of the projection within your own personal unconscious or the collective archetypal world, meaning ask questions. Do they remind me of my mother or father? Do they play a godlike or hero-like figure? Do they play a villain to me, you know? So you want to understand the kind of images that you're templating on them from your personal unconscious with this. So, you know, if you tend to have mommy issues or you had a traumatic relationship with your mom, then look at how the first place I look to is actually my mother relationship whenever I project on a female and my father relationship whenever I project on a male. And I find that's fairly accurate. So we have this like kind of series of complex reactions and unconscious reactions that we act towards men in our life and women in our life, depending on what our kind of archetypal experience of the masculine and feminine were. So that's important to distinguish. So how, like, what are some common triggers that you have come up with women, with men? And we're going to get into it more into relationships when you go into the anima animus piece. Yeah, that's that's an important piece, but it's also easier said than done. Even I can see of myself when you grow up, you know, a lot of quote unquote abuse doesn't have to be overt abuse, but more developmental trauma, right? Over time, yeah. when our needs were not met or our parental figures were projecting, they're trying to fulfill their needs through us or neglect on, you know, on more subtle levels yeah. or being shamed, you know. And we're not aware of it and most often we then tend to normalize the abuse yeah and right? then on top of it keep in mind that the first seven years of life that children are responding to the unconscious atmosphere that's of the childhood home so yeah. you see that in courses like we have it all the time in my coaching people are like oh i had a great childhood and my parents you know paid for me to go to university they did every you know they said they, they they met my needs in all these ways you know Okay, great. But like, what was the unconscious atmosphere? What was your parents' unresolved stuff? How much did they try and make you live out their unresolved dreams? Like all of this stuff is happening unconsciously. Exactly. So it's like what they actually did and what they said, you know, like that says nothing for the unconscious Even atmosphere. Unconscious atmosphere in light of, uh, you know, whatever unconsciousness your dad or your mom had, even unconscious anger yeah. or, or anxiety always looming as an infant, especially the, the early de developmental years. These exactly. are key one to seven, you pick it up and then you can go even deeper, which we're not going to do here, but definitely go deeper in the course. It can also relate to past life experiences. Yeah, and yeah. then not to get also stuck on the past life experience because remember that every single past life that you've ever had is accumulating right now in the present moment. Right. So every single, and we look into this in evolutionary astrology as well, is that, you know, your early childhood is basically a continuation of your previous lifetimes. I mean, if you don't believe in past lifetimes, I can't help you here because I do. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to like, I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to pretend that I don't, but you know, like we're working on these certain archetypal themes that kind of bleed into the early childhood environment um, so that's just, let me just continue though. I want to finish this. Yeah, go ahead. So, you know, you're looking, okay, who do they remind me of? When have I felt this way before? And then keep in mind. So, you know, again, this first seven years of early childhood, it more, um, translates in our adult experience through not 
so much conscious narratives, conscious memories, but bodily sensations, emotions. Um, so we don't necessarily know the origin of stuff that happened in that first seven years of life. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's, it's also not about, you know, necess necessarily consciously remembering or visualizing or seeing what happened. No, yeah. It's more also like connecting with that feeling. Exactly, exactly. So sometimes you can get a narrative. Sometimes it does like, so when you're getting, when you know, when you have projections towards someone and they remind you of someone, maybe they remind you of your mom, maybe you can get a memory memory of like you know 10 years old or even in high school or something you know but if it's if you don't actually pick up like a conscious memory but you feel the emotion really strong it could mean that it actually happened in those seven years a uh, first seven years of childhood when you were still forming an ego sense of self basically so yeah. just kind of being open to that um and then just noticing Every and I actually name this. So if I notice myself kind of projecting on someone and having all sorts of negative interpretations towards someone, I literally ask myself, what do I not like in this person? What qualities am I seeing? You know, and then I ask myself, are those qualities that I hold within myself either temporarily or have I had those qualities in the past and I judge myself harshly for it? Or if you say no to all of those situations, then can you imagine a scenario where it would make sense for you to demonstrate those qualities that you're seeing in another person? Yeah, a, a very good e classic example of really understanding projections. And it's tricky because the ego mind likes to justify indulgent projections, right? Gets in the trap of superiority. For example, like, I... I could never do this. You know, how could this person... I, I would never do this, you know? I, I, and and kind of like, you know... put only see it in another person, you know, yes. and project evil externally in, in, in multiple forms, yeah. right? Uh, but not see it within yourself. And what that means that also has been very misunderstood. It doesn't necessarily mean that you have, you know, acting out in all this darkness, evil, for example, but acknowledging the potential within you. That's the core understanding, especially when you go deeper uh, into young in psychology in light of understanding that all is one, right? Exactly. The collective. So everything is accessible. Everything we all possess the potential for the highest good and the highest evil, so to speak, within ourselves, it doesn't mean that you act on it. Exactly. But the more we project it externally and then come then that ties into virtue signaling or moral superiority, you know, I'm such a good person. I could never do this. You know, how dare you do this and all these kind of things. Mm -hmm. That's a sign of a dense, deep shadow. Yeah. And that can come up then pathologically, neurotically over, over time and can can also, which you talk about in the course as well, manifest even in disease and, and physical illness and all of that, if you really understand the body-mind connection and how unconscious stuff we haven't retrieved on multidimensional levels, uh, can also then manifest in illness and disease as well. Exactly. So uh, there's a great quote by Elizabeth uh, Pomes, a Jungian analyst I found the other day, and she said, I felt at first that acceptance of the shadow meant agreeing with those parts of mm. myself. Gradually, I came to realize that it was not the case. Accepting and recognizing meant making those aspects of myself conscious. It did not mean necessarily liking them or condoning them, but accepting that they were there. So, you know, like, even if you're dealing with the most psychopathic, sociopathic person, like, so that's an extreme situation where people are often like, I could never be like that, right? 
like just to imagine a circumstance where you could become like that or because even in past lifetimes i can guarantee you yes. <laughs> like we've all been terrible people we've all been great people we've been every single flavor of hum- human in, in in our past experience unless we're a very young soul and then we've been every kind of animal <laughs> um but you know what i mean like so we want to just look at least for the seed of the potential within it okay so that's that's the next straight and yeah. then and then just so that's the first step so just you know i'm going to just go through them again first to recognize the projection second to recognize is that there's a difference between who this per- person truly is and the positive and negative ideas you have about them Three, become curious instead of taking them to be fact. Four, search for the origin of the projection. So who do they remind me of? Do they remind me of my mom, dad? Do they play a godlike or hero figure to me? Notice all the qualities that you don't like about them and then ask yourself, you know, do I have that quality within myself, past or past or present? You know, have I demonstrated that trait at one point in my life? Do I currently demonstrate that trait and I judge myself harshly for it? Um, so just kind of using that process for self inquiry, you know, and that's how we bring it to consciousness. And, but I also want to add, really emphasize that this self inquiry, this curiosity. So you're more objective about it. It creates also what it needs. I feel the prerequisite, a high level of sincerity and humility, because yes. if you just do it mechanically, ego consciousness would just, no, no, I would never, you know, these kind of things and really like go way deeper with it. And also I just want to add to what you just said before. Uh, taking back our projections, uh, being aware of our triggers, taking full self-responsibility for all our experiences, right? Mm. Doesn't imply that you now need to become f- best friends with the person, you know, you get maybe triggered by or no, see this nothing to do with it. Nothing to do with it. Doesn't yeah. mean you project love and light on them. In fact, yes, you still need to make your boundaries clear as well. It doesn't justify abusive relationships or any of that. No, no, no. Right? Like Just people, people misuse this in all sorts of ways. This is meant to introduce you to who you truly are. It's a step on the individuation process. So the, as long as we're projecting qualities onto the external world and not asking ourselves, where does this come from within myself? You know, we're we're not actually seeking self-knowledge, basically. Yeah, we're doing shadow dance. We're stuck yeah. in Plato's, Plato's allegory of the cave, distracted by the shadows on the wall. Yeah, I'm so much more curious about my own reactions and my own interpretations and my own emotions than I actually am about, I mean, I am curious about other people, especially in our group coaching. I kind of have to be, you know, but like I am working through this process always and the reason i do that is because i really love people and i want to find out who they truly are beyond my projections so that's kind of the goal that you get is like as long as we are as long as we're projecting on people our loved ones our family our friends even our pets actually we're unable to see them who they truly are and until we can see people as they truly are true love does not have the possibility to arise because we're dancing with our illusions with them so that's what we want to do is like you know all of life is relationship we all want better relationships i'm sure even if you're the most isolated person in the world you wish that you had someone who truly saw you connected with you you know you what you're looking for is you're looking for someone to really see you beyond their projections that you have of them and the more that you can actually do that with other people the more i truly believe that the soul will open up to also attract people who are able to do the same with you so i just want to finish this podcast by talking about the alternative uh, treatment. So how to work with projections when it is you who is being projected on. So that is going to happen all the time. 
People are going to have all sorts of ideas about you, which are actually based on their own personal shadow material and their own personal unconscious. So it is really important to just recognize that it's happening literally all the time. Like very few people, I think, even your most, like even the people who love you the most will still have some degree of projection going on, I think, you know? So we just have to recognize and have compassion for the fact that this is happening all the time and people are going to project on you all the time. It's just, yeah, especially also in intimate relationships. Yeah, it's happens. also, it's just a yeah. fact. So number one, this is hard, easier said than done, but see if you can either neither resist nor encourage the projections. So, you know, if someone is projecting and be like, oh, you're just an awful person or you're the most amazing person in the world, See if you can stay neutral to them. That may not be yeah. possible, though. And if you can stay neutral, it means that their projections are likely activating also unresolved unconscious material in you as well. Meaning there's a part of you that believes their projections. It doesn't mean that they're true, but there's a part of you that believes that it's true. So that's really key. So especially negative projections you're talking in this case, right? Both, you know, so like, I, I don't, I don't want to take either of them on because I personally accept that I'm a human being. I have good traits. I have negative traits, you know, they're all a part of me. So yeah. there's never one certain trait that encompasses the whole of who I am essentially. So, you know, so when there's a part of you that's very resistant to the content of the projections, basically the projections t- tend to touch upon core beliefs about ourselves that we're trying to avoid or acknowledge that are there. So again, doesn't mean that it's true. It just means that they're touching on something within me. So for example, and I've talked about this in other podcasts, I've been called a murderer, a white supremacist, evil. Um, Controlled opposition. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Not that so and so much, but anyway, you know, um, the evil one was really interesting to work with because for people who are into astrology, people who have Pluto and Scorpio or strong eighth house or Scorpio templates, that is a very common core wound, mainly because people with these kind of, uh, people, these kind of karmic setups have actually been through awful things, have done horrible things. So there can be a part of you that even believes like, you know, I'm an evil person. I'm a flawed person. So I've worked with that and I've actually resolved a lot of my unconscious kind of trauma from lifetimes through working with these projections, you know, cause it hurt me. So if it hurts you, if it really lands, if you stew on it, that's a sign that it is activating unconscious material within you, you know? And if you can't let it go, that's key. If your mind races, and especially, you know what usually happens with projections is we tend to try and uh, rally the troops, rally the people around us. So we tell the story to like every single friend looking for them to validate us, looking for them to justify, oh, this person is wrong. I'm not like this, right? You know, so we tend to kind of look for almost encouragement to support our shadow projections. Yeah, and especially on social media when people then go on the shadow dance frenzy you know everybody's supporting each other's projections and getting all the dopamine hits by by quote-unquote shit talking yeah um but i also want to add to that you know these are the entry points so whenever you're really triggered and there's a deep emotional response to that right so there's something for you as laura just said to inquire but also the key point with staying neutral like that's the end quote-unquote aim right this is what, what I call also, we go deep on the course, zero point non-reactive consciousness, no attack, no defense, not being faced by praise or attack, yes. right? Not like the self-importance of the ego kick in or uh, the self-diminishing fact, right? 
the self-pity and all of that, all aspects of the ego or wounding and trauma. But we can use these triggers consciously in order to inquire within without making it uh taking it on from the other person, right? Yeah. In that sense. And these entry points, I want to just also bring it up, which we also definitely go deeper in the course, are also then entry points for other forces, occult forces, entities, where he will exaggerate that, right? And feed off of all the projected emotional loose. And that's what we're seeing happening uh, in the world, basically, right? Exactly. It's like a huge shadow dance of people projecting and triggering and all this fabricated emotional loose is food for otherworldly beings. Um, I mean, uh, Rudolf Steiner literally talked about this and, and many others, Sri Aurobindo and, and his work, and people aware of my work know about that. But the core point, nonetheless, is to close and clear the entry points. And the entry point is the necessary deep shadow work to inquire within, right, and integrate the shadow. And it's easier said than done, right? It's easier said than done to not take things personally, right? Yeah. It always still lands. It still lands for me as well. Totally, Certain yeah. people say it for me and I, and I use it, okay, there's something within me that that nags on me instead of like uh, launching a counterattack or putting the other person down to make myself feel better right mm -hmm. which is just a symptom management and just get my ego involved no in that moment that person actually becomes your greatest teacher that's the irony in that moment your enemy is your greatest teacher yes right because as long as you have these emotionally reactive triggered responses you give away your power exactly you actually have no true freedom yeah. within that self so everyone who triggers you is a teacher for you. And also the reason you want to work on your triggers with other people is because anyone who triggers you also has power over you, essentially, because yeah. they can get you emotionally riled up. They can take into your wounds. They can make you spiral into whatever, you know? So it is really like people, people tend to not, and I think it's because it happens so unconsciously, but people tend to want to also justify, avoid their projections. They mostly rationalize them, you know, not realizing true spiritual power is to retake those projections back and sit in, as Carl Jung said, the house of the gathering, which is basically the psycho-emotional atmosphere of your own unconscious. You know, sit with that and be with that and just let it show you who you really are. Let and me just finish this. Is that okay? Yes, go ahead. Um, so, you know, just it's really important that we don't also accept the projections when they're positive projections, because mm -hmm. that can be another ego hook, meaning a part of our identity may feed upon this image that this person is projecting upon us, whether it's a positive or negative thing. So just being aware that this can not necessarily be negative things that people say about you, but the overly positive things that people say about that you, that you almost get this overinflated ego from. And I'm not talking about healthy self-esteem. So someone's like, yeah, that was a really great thing you did, or I appreciate you, you know, and you can actually link that with a healthy sense of self. I'm talking about this overinflated ego. That's like, you literally feel like you're invincible kind of thing. You know, it's, there's, there's a difference between a healthy sense of self-esteem and an overinflated sense of self-esteem or narcissist uh, basically right exactly uh, yeah, yeah 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 no okay, go ahead okay so um yeah and so understand as well that projections can completely possess a person and they can take over their conscious mind so you know basically remember i mean this is a really great tool too to understand people better that the projections are a reflection of their own unconscious if you want to take it a step further and you don't actually want to say this to a person but just use this as a way of 
developing deeper awareness is a lot of things that people say about you are actually things that they believe about themselves. Literally. Yes. So a lot of the shadow projections we see, if you just ask yourself, is it possible that this person actually believes this about themselves? Then you can open up a whole rabbit hole of just, just information. And I'm not saying that's always true, you know, but just being open to be like, Oh, interesting. They're projecting conscience of their contents of their unconscious onto me or other, another person. Is it possible that they believe this about themselves, you know? So just looking at it that way, not taking things at face value. So, you know, and remember that if you accept their projection, immediately you're going to get into a defense mechanism. So you're going to either attack or you're going to defend yourself, you know, and that's because a part of you accepts the projection. Someone in something in you believes it to be true, hence it's important to inquire about the origin and work through those things. Like self-inquiry is really the name of the game when you're working with your own psyche. And it even helps to even have other people too. Because for example, you know, because our ego tends to justify the triggers, other people like for Bernhard and I, we can actually notice when we're shadow projecting. um, And then we we're willing to actually invite the other person to look at what's going on there. Yeah. I just wanted to really emphasize what you just said. That's a key point. And it's it's a tough lesson, was a tough lesson for me as well. The moment you really justify yourself, get into defense mode, over-explain yourself, you accept that the projections and attack something within you and you actually shadow dancing, right? Instead of using it to resist, you know, the mind. Again, the mind is the trickster. The more unconscious you are, the less you have the ability to self-observe and be self-aware. Your mind will automatically make up a story, justify the trigger, project it externally, go into defense or attack. And then also, quote unquote, the matrix has you. That's really the (laughs) underlining frequency, right? Also divide and conquer and something else feeds off of all the projected triggered emotional luge. So that's really easier said than done, right? uh, But use it as self-awareness. Oh, I'm, I'm getting very defensive here. I'm trying to justify and rationalize myself. What does it say about me, right? Mm -hmm. You know, if it wouldn't, bother me if it wouldn't have not these traits within myself what i'm projected on uh deep down or wouldn't remind me of something i would not face me at all you would would not defend yourself like even like some of the words some of the most awful things that people said like the other day i literally got called a murderer (laughs) (laughs) and i was like i'm not a murderer you know so that so that's an example of like just not like it doesn't impact me it literally doesn't land anywhere within me when it's a projection that i don't need to work on so we don't need to always work on every single thing that someone says about us but we want to notice when it really lands somewhere when with us when it causes some sort of emotional reaction when it touches in the vulnerable place within ourselves and then keep in mind in a split second if it does touch in a vulnerable place immediately your ego will hijack that and it'll be like oh my god i gotta say something back to them or i gotta tell them how it really is or i gotta defend myself or i gotta show people who i really am social media (laughs) yeah exactly exactly it happens in a split second that's why like just taking a pause when you notice some sort of trigger within you, when you notice some sort of emotion, some sort of strain within you, using it as a being coming curious, using it as a process of self inquiry is really just such an important tool during these times because this is happening all the time and it happens so quickly. You really got to learn how to slow yourself the F down and just reflect, pause, you know, it's, there's real magic that can happen when you pause and start to inquire. And then you can really, that's, that's bringing things to consciousness. Essentially, the moment that you're taking it inwards, you are bringing something to consciousness and you're using it as a form of understanding yourself better. So 
Yeah, so we're nearing the end of the podcast and we're going to get more into the anima animus piece, which is also an, a- an aspect of ourselves. We tend to project outwardly, mostly on the opposite sex. So we're going to, this this more relates to, you know, opposite sex type relationships, the anima animus piece. And it's actually kind of good that we covered the basic projection um, in the first hour, because the second hour, like this anima animus piece is only once you've really mastered the shadow piece and you have some sort of hang of it, you know? So, so this is more like actually Carl Jung is a great quote. He says that shadow work is the apprentice piece and anima animus integration is actually the masterpiece. I would agree with him about that. And if you think this sounds, if this is, if this is new to you or whatever, we're going to go into way more depth about how that plays out. Yeah, and also what I want to dive deeper into that ties into the topic of anima animas and also the topic of attraction. You know, what is true attraction? That's really one, especially in romantic relationships, intimate relationships. And if we observe it deeper, most initial attractions are, you know, based on positive projection, as we talked about, or unconscious material, even just basic egoic lower nature desires, mechanical, biological drives, mistaken as love, and, or oh, this is my twin flame, soulmate, perfect partner. But it's really important to understand the anima animus interrelationship when it comes to attraction, because most of the time when we are, quote unquote, we think we choose or um, our intimate partners or relationships consciously, but most of these uh, um, mechanisms or dynamics are unconscious. The way we are attracted to people or people that are attracted to us most often happens on unconscious level unless we become more and more aware of our inner life, of our shadow, our positive negative projections, of the anima animus interrelationship and all that. So we definitely get more into that into the second hour. Um, also, like in light of relationships, talking uh, about growth versus um, fixed relationships. We have mentioned this in another episode as well, but we go deep into that in light of this topic as well. And again, um, this is just a small overview of what we're going into way, way more depth in our upcoming 12-week private group coaching program, Time of Transition Embodied Soul Awakening starting April 11 until July 2nd. Enrollment and application start now. Go to my website, veilofreality.com under courses. Or you can also uh, um, apply directly at awakenapply.com. And with your applications, then we get back to you. Again, only limited space available. And uh, last but not least, if you're not already a member on my website, um, to get access to the second hour, you can also sign up for a membership, also support our work, and you will have access to all the podcasts, all the two hours, uh, 77 episodes now. And there's a lot of, uh, it's a big library of knowledge information that can definitely already help you in your personal life and for the times we're in. With that being said, see you all shortly in the second hour. <laughs>